Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The U.S.-Russian summit. Russia has been called the U.S.'s enemy. Look at the streets of America. Every single day there are shootings and killings. Look at what the U.S. is doing, not Russia. The tone of the entire meetings was, 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 was good. I made it clear to President Putin. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. <laughs> when has Joe Biden made anything clear? Oh, my gosh. Come on, man. Uh, Joe, Joe, Joe. Uh, no new fish down at the Big Rock. 100 boats went out today. Actually, 147. And uh, the yet yesterday about this time, the uh, the big fish came in. 521-pound blue marlin came in Tuesday, and uh, they are now in with the uh, first. They they got $828,750 in their pocket. If that ends up being the biggest fish, they'll have somewhere around $5 million in their pocket. So uh, the natural sits on top of the leaderboard. No new fish today. Actually, somebody I know is uh, on the leaderboard with a Wahoo. Um, Of course, that's not. I don't think it's probably a couple thousand dollars, but uh, how big a wahoo? Wahoo! Yeah, I gotta see. I gotta find it. I, it was a it was a nice it was a nice size one. I know that. But um, so Joe and uh, Putin have a sit down meeting. Joe brings a set of cheat cards with him. <laughs> <laughs> Those famous index cards he keeps in his shirt pocket. I mean, but the print on them so large that uh, anybody within a stone's throw could probably read them. Uh, you know, there nothing exudes strength and confidence than a good set of uh, cheat cards when were, you uh, sit it, down. Yeah, they remind me of those. People our age will remember this. You know, the little three by five cards when you're studying the alphabet. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. The flashcards. <laughs> yeah, little yeah, flashcards. Yeah, yeah, he's got flashcards for Putin. Big A, little A, yeah. big B, little B. <laughs> uh, so. The big, highly anticipated um, meeting with uh, Joe Biden and uh, Putin, Uh, Joe says it was good and positive, saying he made no threats to his Russian counterpart, but warned of consequences. I'd like to hear Joe make a threat. Putin said, I must break you. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Biden said there was a lot of hype around the meeting, but it was straightforward. He said... And I quote, there's absolutely no substitute for face-to-face dialogue between two leaders. None. Share a unique responsibility to manage relationship between two powerful and proud countries. The president maintains that the U.S. relationship with Russia has to be stable and predictable and said the countries should be able to cooperate whether, where it is in our mutual interest. We have differences where I want uh, Putin to understand why I say what I say and why I do what I do and how I will respond. Quote, my agenda is not against Russia or anyone else. It is for the American people fighting COVID, rebuilding our economy, establishing the relationships around the world with our allies and friends and protecting the American people. Now, do you want me to give you the Reader's Digest of all this? (laughs) What you have are two world leaders that are both crooks. And they are getting together and mutually acting like they respect one another while each of them is taking money hand over fist, stuffing it in their own pockets, and stuffing it in their kids' pockets. 
I mean, it's the truth. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Biden crime family and the Putin crime family have gotten together like two mafia bosses, and they act like, uh, you know, we'll ki- kiss each other on the cheek like the mafia bosses do. We'll pretend that we're really having these deep discussions of world impact and importance while they are basically with a wink and a nod looking at each other and saying, well, you keep stealing from your people and I'll keep stealing from mine. And by, by the way, while you're at it, uh, if the m- mayor of Moscow's widow has any extra money she can send over to my son hunter that would be much appreciated but putin i guarantee you after the talks putin is and his you know team they're they're just sitting back having a drink of vodka or cognac and oh yeah laughing laughing it up how stupid the american president is well how stupid the american people are that we are not a little bit more angry that uh we're allowed this current president to uh, be sitting in the white house i mean just in in recent times um ex- you know, except for when tr- trump put pressure on russia uh, you know they're practically invading uh ukraine yeah and you know within the what during the obama administration they, they basically were trying to take over georgia f- for the simple fact that georgia had the natural resources they want just like the ukraine's got the natural resources that they want because sure We're going to come in and take it. Ukraine used to be part of, uh, you know, the Soviet Union, and and that's that's, that's southern part of the former Soviet Union where you can actually grow things, where there's actually a growing season and there's not, uh, you know, a 45-day growing season. And 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 Russia needs that, and they're going to come take it. Uh, Biden went on to say there were no threats. It was very, as we say, which will shock you, coming from me, somewhat colloquial. He added, I know we make foreign policy to be this great, great skill, but it's a just a logical extension of personal relationships. It is the way human nature functions. Biden went on to say he doesn't think Putin is looking for a Cold War with the United States. This was not a kumbaya moment, Biden said, but it is clearly not in anybody's interest, yours or mine, to be in a situation where we're in a new Cold War. Now, 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 listen to what he said again. Let me just sum it up. The, the phrases which Joe Biden used to describe this meeting. Quote, there is no substitute for face-to-face dialogue between two leaders, none. He goes on to say, to manage the relationship between two powerful and proud countries. Biden said the meeting was good, positive. Quote, I know we make foreign policy to be this great, great skill, but it's just a logical extension of personal relationships. You know what's interesting about this? The words might not be exactly the same, but in inference, this is basically the same way Donald Trump would describe his meeting with Kim Jong-un, with Biden, uh, I mean with uh, Putin, and with with Xi. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it's the same description. Now, maybe he was uh, Trump was a little bit more flowery, but he would come out and say, "Listen, if we're going to have dialogue, if we're going to get along, then the the leader of that country and myself, we need to get along." And yeah, okay, I like the guy. I mean, I might I might not agree with his politics. And and what did the media do? They went nuts. <laughs> the mainstream media started foaming at the mouth. How dare you say something kind? Are, are respectable about Putin, Kim Jong-un, or Xi. Don't you know they're murderers, they're killers? And yet you want to, I mean, we were told that World War III would break out with North Korea 
because of the way that Donald Trump described his meeting and the fact that he got together with Kim Jong-un. And guess what? World War III didn't happen. But how do you think they're going to describe this meeting with Biden and Putin? Now, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, they're, you're going to have that, and I've got the audio of, of uh, Biden snapping at that reporter, and there was a little bit of pushback on that. But overall, the mainstream media will report this as just one of the greatest meetings of two world leaders in the history of the United States. Well, they, they won't ask him a substantive question about really about the the meetings the the foreign policy issues because here's the bottom line in Russia Russia has has been trying to their only hope to continue to be remotely a world power is to expand their territories that's the absolute only way because they have a rapidly decreasing population and zero immigration I mean that's no. that's fact <laughs> people and, aren't aren't no. swimming across the river to get into Russia and you can't continue to be a world superpower without a growing population and their population their life expectancy is horrible because there are so many people are living in poverty over there people starving to death. You, you have two social classes generally over there and um so their only way is to expand the territories and who's going to stop them there's no one will stop them except for the united states china the only way, way china will stop them is if essentially they cut a deal and say oh, and they'll hey, cut a deal this is yeah. this is your territory this is my territory yeah the united states is the only thing and people in europe are too stupid to realize that where are they going to go they're not going to swim across the ocean to expand their territories they're going to go east and go south well and they're excuse me west and south. i mean europe is is helping to finance russia yep. and they're buying all their energy needs from russia uh, and and what's so bad about it is um united states uh united states companies basically showed them how to extract oil yeah i mean i've known several people that's worked there for the last 25 years and oh, and, and and somehow the democrats i know i'm not saying all these uh companies are are, are democrats but the democrats i, I mean re- remember back to was it bill clinton or jimmy carter that basically told communist china how to de- gave them the the technology to develop precise ball bearings, yeah. so that they could, and and what happened? Now they have missiles equivalent to ours. And, and Donald Trump is the first president, Democrat or Republican, that you can tr- that that went in the meetings and basically said, you know what, um, we are through bending over for the world. Yeah, <laughs> we are we are we are through yeah. getting taken advantage of, and. Yeah. And, you, and and that comes from his negotiation, um, his negotiation skills. Where and and I've seen people in business this way, where you know they set the tone of the meeting by saying, "You just sit back and said, what in the heck?" Yeah. But then when they leave the room, you're like, "Well, gosh, we got we got we got to meet in the middle somewhere." But, right. But you end up, you walk out. Well, the middle is was maybe two thirds. <laughs> two-thirds way because of, you know, he set the tone early on. And Which Trump is total opposite of how Biden does it. Biden, oh. Biden immediately gives in before he even gets to the meeting. <laughs> and then the opposition says, how much further can we push Biden? If, if it's not on those cue cards, Biden doesn't know no. what he's talking about, plain and simple. So Biden, after he held a little press conference, so he met with Putin and they had a brief press conference, which was, again, it was one of those typical press conferences that Biden holds where he handpicks the reporters he's going to call on. He knows, I guarantee you, he knows the questions before they're asked. Yeah. And he has the answer written out for him. 
But as he was leaving, there was questions that were shouted out to him. And Biden snapped at a reporter at the end of his press conference earlier today in Geneva. After He was asked, why was he confident Russian President Vladimir Putin would change his previously negative behavior? Biden, who was walking away after saying that he was committed to freeing Americans in prison in Russia, whirled around at his questioner and said, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. What in the hell? What, what do you do all this time? It was uh, Caitlin Collins of CNN when she was speaking, asking the questions of Biden. Here's that give and take. Cut one. I say again, can't hear I said the families of the detained Americans came up and we discussed it. We're going to follow through with that discussion. I am, I am not going to walk away on this. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. What, what do you do all the time? I said what I said was, let's get it straight. I said what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact. But given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President, President Putin? President? You don't understand that. You're in the wrong business. If, China, if you don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. an ass. Well, now we do have to agree with one thing. He said, uh, I'm not confident of anything. And uh, yeah. when it comes to Joe, we're, we're not either, Joe. I am, and I'm confident in that. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> we don't know. But you remember when, here's the press, they're not talking about, you know, laughing. Uh, 2012, Romney versus Obama in the um, presidential debates right you know kathleen crowley romney talked about uh you know russia's threat to the united states and foreign policy maybe the greatest threat and obama laughed it off as you know the the 80s have called back their foreign policy back yeah (laughs) and you know i mean that's a valid question i mean obama's running the white house now Uh, he just just is why don't someone says you know what's changed from 2012 to 2021 question what's changed what's changed good question somebody with an ounce of journalism skills, and would ask that question. So his response, if you don't understand, you're in the wrong business. Uh, to that, Olivia Newsy from the New Yorker magazine said, if you're the most powerful person in the world and you can't field questions from the media without losing your temper, maybe you're in the wrong business. <laughs> but that's as rough as it's going to get. Don't expect the media to give Cousin Eddie a hard time. Ain't gonna you happen. having a good time, Joe? I, I didn't even get a chance to watch any of this today, but I can guarantee it. I, I guess I'll watch it tonight. But I guarantee he called on the, the girl from uh, NP, is it NPR that's um, that just always jumped on Trump all the time. And you know, um, April, what's her face? I don't, I don't know. She's she's black and yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. April something. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, I guarantee. Oh, sure. I guarantee you, she threw some softball to him. Well, and I guarantee and, you, he didn't call Peter Ducey. Yeah. <laughs> The um, before we go to break, uh, speaking of Joe, this is good news for America. If you're tired of seeing your gas prices go up and up and up and up, the Epic Times is reporting a federal judge in Louisiana has blocked Biden's suspension of new oil and gas leases on federal land and water, delivering a setback to the administration's effort to clamp down on fossil fuels. 
U.S. District Judge Terry Dowdy uh, filed on uh, January 15th, granting a preliminary injunction in a 13-state lawsuit led by Louisiana Republican Attorney General Jeff Landry. This is a victory not only for the rule of law, but also for the thousands of workers who produce affordable energy for Americans, Landry said in a statement. Now, it's going to be interesting because there's also a lawsuit out there concerning the XL pipeline and restarting that. Technically, the injunction amounts to a halt of the Biden administration's suspension of new drilling permits with a nationwide effect pending further arguments on the merits of the case. Now, my question is, you still have Biden bureaucrats in, in charge of handing out the permits. Mm-hmm. So while they're going to come out and they say, you can't do that, uh, we're putting an injunction on, on your ruling to stop the permits, the judge will not be there to make sure that the permits start flowing again. All he has said is that's unconstitutional. You can't do that. And we're going to wait upon the court hearing. And the reason why he, he did that is because the Biden administration didn't go through the proper procedure, having an opportunity for public comment and those kind of things. But, but take my word for it, because I've been through this personally with the FCC. Uh, just because the judge comes in and <laughs> says you can't do that doesn't mean that uh, if, if you're standing in line waiting for your permit that you're going to get it back. The most precious commodity of a business is time, and bureaucrats love to use time as, oh, yeah. as a you know deterrent. They just drag their feet. Big time, big time. Lots more to come. Love to hear from you. Five six one eight two five five. News reviews continues right after this. Beautiful day in this neighborhood. Beautiful day for a neighbor. First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news sources. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. And uh, it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It will be beautiful through Sunday. Basically, 10 to 15% chance of rain between now and then. Most of sunshine and, uh, boy, the weather out Tate, <laughs> Gorgeous. 84 degrees today for your high, and uh, it's going to be that way for the next couple of days. Saturday, it gets up to 96, Sunday, 91, but lots of sunshine, so get out and enjoy. Today, to me, is perfect weather. 85 with very low humidity, to me, is perfect. Sounds good to me. 561-8255, we got Jennifer on the line. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, how are you doing? Doing well. Good to hear from you. What's up? Um, I have a question. So okay. I was wondering if you knew where they're at with that bill. I think it's HB 558 to try to protect people from being forced to get the vaccine. The state bill you're talking about? Yes. You know, we talked to uh, 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 Tim Moore about that last week, and we've talked to Keith Kidwell. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Let us uh, let us do a little investigation, and we'll see if we can come back with an answer for you. If it's in North Carolina, um, forcing you to get a vaccine is it ain't happening. <laughs> not with yeah. this. Not with this legislature. I can I can I can pretty much tell you that. Well, well, the, re- the reason why I'm concerned is because you know that hospital in Texas that uh, I think the judge threw out their case. There was over a hundred employees who were trying to not be forced, and now they're all going to be fired. Is that right? You know, I, the, here's the here's the problem with that scenario is who are they going to get to replace them? 
I mean, right now, you can, there's, there's a shortage of workers. I, I can't believe they would fire those people. If those people stand strong, they will keep their jobs, and they won't have to take the vaccine. HB 558 is a Texas bill. Um, yeah, that's but true. There, but there is an equivalent to that in North Carolina, is there not? Yeah, there is. Yeah. I thought that was the same code, but maybe not. But I'm just I'm concerned because I'm in health care, and I'm worried. And um, I have um, relatives in other states that are in health care as well, and they've already been told by their employers that if they don't, they're going to give them the deadlines, and they're going to be fired there as well. And I feel like everybody's being bullied, and... And um, you know, it's your body, your choice. It's, you know, <laughs> not, not when they, not when you're on the wrong side of the issue, is it not? That's a Isn't that's that a great response. My body, my choice. But yeah, um, yeah. irony is pretty ironic at times. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. We'll see so, if we can get uh, Tim Moore, or Keith Kidwell on the phone, and uh, get yeah, an answer for you. Yeah, North Carolina's okay. bill is. Um, Thanks, Jennifer. Appreciate the call. See if you can get. Uh, you got Keith's number. Yeah. All right. See if you can get Keith on the line. Um, our uh, producer, Clark Willis, jumping on that. Life News is reporting a federal appeals court has struck down a North Carolina law that bans late-term abortions, including on viable babies. The law bans abortion after 20 weeks when unborn children feel pain, and by 22 weeks, unborn babies are capable of surviving outside the womb. Planned Parenthood and a group of abortion practitioners filed a lawsuit way back in 2016 challenging North Carolina's 20-week abortion limit. A federal district court had uh, the suit and issued a ruling uh, striking down the law in a decision earlier today. Three-judge panel of the Fourth Circuit Court upheld that decision. And uh, interestingly, uh, of the three uh, judges out of the Fourth Circuit, one was a uh, Clinton appointee, one was an Obama appointee, and one was a Trump appointee. Um, but, but here's the thing, the, the North Carolina law that they're talking about that was passed back in 2015, the original, if you go back to Roe v. Wade and actually read that law, that law said, except in the case of an emergency, we're not going to have any abortions after 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem. As is typical with organizations that, um, you know, give me what's the definition of is, is uh, Planned Parenthood, which, you know, their name is an oxymoron. <laughs> but so, OK, Keith Kidwell's in session. We'll see if we can get you an answer, Jennifer, for somebody else. Um, the the bottom line was, though, that they fudge on what the definition of an emergency is. And I mean, and by the way, that so does Cooper. I mean, he, he, we're still in a state of emergency, according to Cooper, right? But, uh, but their idea that okay, well, this is an emergency because the mother might have psychological issues if she goes through this pregnancy. I mean, you know, basically, you can get it down to a hangnail kind of emergency. Well, in 2015, the North Carolina legislature passed this law that gave a definition to what an emergency was. So they're not changing the law. They're not, they're not reining in the 20. I mean, this, the 20 week deal isn't anything new. They merely gave a definition to the word emergency as it applied to getting an abortion. And that is what they're so upset with. 
Now, you'd think if they're honest, they'd say, well, thank you. You finally gave us some definition. We know what, you know, it's been gray and now it's black and white. They don't want it black they and don't, white. Nope. They want it gray. <clears throat> mm-hmm. They want to have the ability to come up with any lame brain excuse they want to provide an abortion anytime, anywhere, for any reason. And and that's, they're, they're fudging it. And they don't, they do not like the fact that the state legislature of North Carolina passed the law signed by the governor which said this is what the word emergency means as it applies to abortion. And well, now the Fourth Circuit has knocked it down. Well, you know what President Obama said way back when he, when he was president? He said he, he would hate for one of his daughters to be inconvenienced by, by a child in, in their life. I mean, he, I, he said that. I'm paraphrasing, but it was No, it's it was pretty, almost, pretty much pretty what he close. said. That's yeah, pretty much what he said. The News and Observer is reporting that Wake County school leaders say they'll continue to follow state guidelines that require masks to be worn in schools despite calls from some family members to unmask their children. Last night at the Wake County School Board meeting, a number of parents got up and said, would you please not force these kids to wear masks? And this is humorous. Keith Sutton, who is the school board chairman of Wake County, said, quote, As I indicated in several emails to constituents, we took an oath as an elected official at elected officials to maintain the laws and constitution of the state and the United States. (laughs) So I don't think I will change any of my previous decisions. We'll continue to have the mask. Otherwise, that would be a violation of the law. Oh, yeah, right. Your, your dying devotion to the United States Constitution is the reason why you are forcing children to wear masks. <laughs> and is it a law? How's it a law? It's an executive yeah, exa- order? Yeah, it's an executive order. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. Yeah. And, in fact, if you really want to get down to the Constitution, then you would ignore this executive order because executive orders— Okay, I, I realize that our law has it that there is a, a, a an emergency, you know, the state of emergency where the governor has certain powers, which is and now you have the legislature that's trying to overturn that for good reason. This is and, and again, he says, well, we're going to follow the uh, mandates of the CDC and uh, current guidance follows the recommendations of the CDC to protect children from COVID-19, particularly as new and more contagious variants are on the rise and children under 12 cannot currently be vaccinated, Katie Armstrong, DHHS spokeswoman, said in an email today. We expect that all schools will follow the guidance outlined in the toolkit to fulfill their obligation to keep their students safe. What a load of crap. And by the way, there's an article out today that talks about the fact that kids that are breathing in their own uh, breath and... and, uh, all the garbage that's caught up in the masks and not is not doing them any good. It's doing them harm. Uh, and by the way, kudos to Harnett County. So last week, Harnett County said, screw the governor. We're not making them wear it. <laughs> yeah. This ass, uh, what, Dunn, I guess, Dunn, yeah. the area off 95. Yeah. Smithfield, Dunn, yeah. that area mm-hmm. down there. Uh, over, the one over from Johnson County, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, DHSS and uh, Cooper's office have not responded to questions from the N and O, and uh, they're not going to respond. I, I honestly think they don't want this to go to court because if it does, they might get a judge that would uh, tell Cooper, you've overextended your stay in emergency land. 
Now, did, did I see where New York has relaxed a lot of their Everybody else has. Yeah. Yeah. I, if, you did, if you had a list of— New York and California, I think, relaxed. California did yesterday. If you had a list of all the states that have relaxed at what order, chronologically, we'd be 50. <laughs> Mandy Cohen, the News Observer Person of the Year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is interesting. Chapel Hill is probably the most liberal city in the state of North Carolina, wouldn't mm, you? Hear? Yeah, either that or Hillsborough. I went through Hillsborough this past weekend, and whew, just mm, it's just different. It's a neat little town, but when I yeah. start looking at people and looking at their stickers and what it says on their cars, <laughs> there's a lot of nuts in Hillsborough. <laughs> Uh, well, if you know, that's the suburb of the capital of yeah. nuts, which is Chapel it's, Hill. Yeah, it's it's a county seat for yeah, it is for it is. Orange yeah. County. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, but yeah, Ashburg. I mean, uh, Asheville is up there. That's sort of become the um, gay capital of the East. San Francisco of the South, yeah. and uh, then you got Durham. Mm-hmm. That's up there. Many Democrat cities like Durham adopted the defund the police language, anti-police. You know, they, they painted right in front of the police station. Last year, they painted in huge letters. They painted defund and they had an arrow oh, yeah, yeah, pointing Durham, right yeah. to mm-hmm. the front door of the police station in mm-hmm. Durham. Believe it or not, end of last week at a uh, session up there with a uh, city council, uh, they voted to... Uh, Paint over the defund sign that's painted, and also paint over. They they put the word fund painted in front of the Health and Human Services building on Main Street. So yeah. as long as we have more money in Health and Human Services, that's going to take care of the crime problem. And look, I mean, we we talked about this endlessly when they were doing this defunding last year that this is this no way this is going to work mm-hmm. it's going to end badly did they know that it would end badly i think they I, I i think the actual heads of blm and antifa knew it would end badly for the people that actually wanted law and order but you also have um, plenty you know, if you're looking if you're watching on cable seven or on facebook there's the defund picture that Clark got up. I think a lot of these cities are starting to realize, um, yeah, we got caught up in a moment, and yeah, it, that was really stupid. <laughs> I mean, you look at what's going on. We talked about yesterday in Atlanta and Buckhead area, but uh, here in North Carolina, uh, Asheville, Asheville was a mess. I mean, Asheville's losing officers hand over fist. They're, they're putting out lists. We may have talked about it. They're putting out lists of here's the crimes that we will not respond to because oh, yeah. we can't get to yeah. them. A friend of mine that's from Asheville that lives instead of Bumpkin County now lives in Madison County, which uh, is outside of Asheville. Um, he sent me an article the other day that said I mean, there have been four homicides in downtown Asheville. And I mean, Asheville is traditionally, it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, in some cities in North Carolina, you expect that. Asheville. Yeah, Their I mean, history has not been one of murder. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, people smoke dope and look weird, but uh, other than that, that's about it. <laughs> and they got and they got some good restaurants, really good restaurants. But I mean, there's some there's some freaks that walk the street there. But typically, you don't worry about going out for dinner and going to an art museum and getting shot. I just had my hair washed. <laughs> But We're I mean, going to take a time out. But, but you can walk down the streets of Asheville and get high. I mean, <laughs> just honestly. breathing. Breathe yeah, deeply. Just breathing. <laughs> oh, 
You don't have to go out and buy any. All you got to do is go to Asheville and breathe. Uh, when we get back, there was a, um, well, uh, well, we'll talk about it when we get back. Our, our military's in trouble is all I'll say. We'll talk about that when we get back. Father not only knows best. You don't need the umbrella. Come on, let's go. He knows all, but how? 500 feet. Turn right. Turn that thing off. I know where I'm going. Don't worry, Dad. We won't tell. They were doing this at the Wuhan. I told you it was China. Didn't I tell you it was China? From one know-it-all to another. Dad. Dad. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Happy Father's Day. From news and views on Talk 96.3 at 103.7. I know the solution. Go ask your mother. All right. uh, Folks, um, changing gears here a little bit from Father's Day to the military. Um, We're in deep trouble. Um, It's bad enough that we have lowered our physical standards to allow and probably not in the too distant future require women in combat. I mean, it's a fact. The things that you had to do to be in the military in combat, um, there was a certain level that you had to accomplish. Otherwise, you got the boot. And that's been compromised because we want to be politically correct. It's bad enough that we're telling transgenders, come on in. Are they paying for their operations yet? They will be if they aren't already. I think they actually are. Yeah. Um, you know, in, instead of being a organization that protects, that destroys and kills because for, for our protection, people, oh, that's terrible that that's what they do. Yeah, that's what they do. They're there to protect us from people who want to kill us. Not anymore. Uh, yesterday, an explosive series of questions fired at him on the Hill Chief of Naval Naval Operations Admiral Michael Gilday was grilled about recommending critical race theory activist Ibram X. Kinte's book, How to Be Anti-Racist for Every Sailor in the U.S. Navy to Read. Republican Study Committee Jim Banks, chairman, uh, conducted a blistering interview in the House hearing pointing out that the Navy recently completed a one-day stand-down to remove extremism from the ranks, with the chief of Navy personnel explaining, we will not tolerate extremist ideologies that go against our oath to the Constitution. Banks pressed, in my view, Kinty has espoused extremist beliefs that clearly violate the oath to the Constitution that I took when I served in the Navy. Ibram Kinty, by the way, labeled Amy Coney Barrett a white colonizer and criticized her for cutting the biological parents of these children out because she's adopted two children from Haiti. Yes or no, Admiral, do you personally consider opposition to interracial adoption and extremist beliefs? As you can imagine, Gilday protested, didn't answer. He said, I do not support everything Kinte said in his book. Fired back, Banks said, I just ask you, do you consider opposition to interracial adoption to be an extremist belief? It's a simple question. Banks, and again, no answer. Banks asked a little later, Kinte's book states that capitalism is essentially racist, and Kinte is clear that racism must be eliminated. So yes or no, do you personally consider advocating for the destruction of American capitalism to be extremist? Again, Gilday dodged. Here's what I know, Congressman. There's racism in the Navy. I have an obligation 
Still later, Banks pointed to claims highlighted in a New Yorker article on Kente in college. Kente wrote that white people are a different breed of humans and are responsible for AIDS. Yes or no, do you personally consider the conspiracy that white people started AIDS to be an extremist belief? Gilday deflected, sir, I have to understand the context of the statements that were made. Unbelievable. Mm. Banks concluded his questions with this. Do you expect that after sailors read this book that says the United States is racist, that we will increase or decrease morale, cohesion, and recruiting rates in the United States Navy? Here's how that went. So if sailors accept Kendi's argument that America and the United States Navy are fundamentally racist, as you've encouraged them to do, do you expect that to increase or decrease morale and cohesion or even recruiting into the United States Navy? I do know this, our strength is in our diversity and our sailors understand that. Race is a very, racism in the United States is a very complex issue. What we benefit from is an open discussion about those issues, that we don't try to ignore it or rewrite it, but we actually have a discussion about it. And there'll be various views, and I trust sailors will come and, and to an understanding of hopefully separating from fact from fiction, agreeing or disagreeing with Kendi in this case, and come to hopefully very useful conclusions about how we ought to treat each other in the United States. Admiral, why, why did you put this book on the reading list and recommend it to, that every single United States sailor read it? Because I think it's really important to consider a variety of views. Admiral, you said you read this book. What part of this book is redeeming and, and qualifies as something that, that every, I think every sailor in the United States needs critical about his own journey as an African-American in this country, what he's experienced. Let me ask you again, Admiral, do you expect that say, after sailors read this book that says that the United States Navy is racist, that we will increase or decrease morale, cohesion, and recruiting race into the United States Navy? I think we'll be a better Navy from having open, honest conversations about racism. Gentlemen's time, time has expired. expired. You know, these oh are the same people that would have said uh, you can't legislate morality. Mm-hmm. These are the same people that if a officer um, was to have a someone under him come in seeking advice and they had a Bible and he said, well, son, my recommendation is why don't you go read the Gospel of John? I think that will help you. Uh, they, he'd be brought up on charges. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the truth. It's yeah. happened. It has happened. And yet this guy, in his naivety or his liberalism, is saying, uh, go out and read this book that is not going to do anything but make the matter worse. I mean, look at Obama as exa- Exhibit mm-hmm. A. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was supposed to be the great uniter. Under Obama, we didn't have a lot of uniting going on. We had a lot of division going on. Look where we are today after those years of Obama. Uh, th- this is unbelievable. And, and yet, this guy can, can get up and, uh, without any defense, continue to propagate this critical race theory, which, look, if, if you've got the chief of naval operations promoting this book, folks, we're in trouble. Yeah. Our military's in trouble. I wish he would have asked, because I've been hit with this question before in, in organizations, um, the, the, the issue of diversity. I, I wish he would have asked, okay, 
you you talk about the diversity is important to the Navy. Describe to me what you mean diversity. And and what I mean by that is I agree diversity is important in any organization. In business, if you hire people, if I hire people exactly like me, number one, I'm going to have a a pretty limited business because my skills, I've got some skills that I'm exceptional at. I've got some I'm not worth a darn at. So I, I'm looking for people with diverse backgrounds, to skills, experiences to compliment me. Right. Um, the color of the skin, I don't give a dang about. Well, here's the, <laughs> here's the other issue, too. In the Navy, if you have an issue, you deal with the person. If you have someone in the Navy who is a racist and is treating people improperly, you deal, deal, with, deal, deal with, with it. it. Deal yeah. with that individual. But you don't come in and kill a gnat with a you know, a, a, a machine gun. And that's exactly what they're doing They're And look, Mark Robinson, he espoused this very well in his speech at the convention last week. Oh, and he's blown up, by the way, since that speech at the oh, North yeah. Carolina he's, GOP. He's we, all over the- we may not be able to get him back again. <laughs> oh, I think we will. I've got his I've got personal number. We'll get him back. But every but, time I want to turn on national news, there's, there's, there's Mark, Mark Robinson. Robinson. Uh-oh. But look, I mean, he said these people on the left are trying to create something that's not there. Yeah. It's it's an, it's an answer in, in search of a problem, well, here's, and, and it's the yeah. wrong answer. Well, here's their solution. Their solution is if you're white, you're racist. And you're the problem. That's, well, that's that's critical that's, race theory. Yeah, in, I mean, in a nutshell. <laughs> we got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is your drive at five and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk ninety six point three and one zero three seven. Welcome back in. We have Richard from Washington on the line. Hey, Richard, just got a couple of minutes. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Just a quick one. Back in nineteen seventy four, under uh, Admiral Elmo Zumoff, U.S. Navy. Had sensitivity training uh, time, and uh, we had to take time off from duties to do that. I tell you, everybody was uh, broken up after that. The whites were in one corner, the blacks were in another corner, the Spanish were in another corner, and uh, before that, we had a cohesive unit. After that, it took a while to get anything straightened out. Well, this is this is going to be a hundred times worse than that because they are propagating exactly. they are propagating Marxist uh, ideology, and the whole premise behind this book, uh, this book by uh, Kinte, is that whites are the problem. <laughs> whites are the problem. They are the enemy, and. Folks, it's not taking it too far. Go back to Nazi Germany, and they isolated the problem to the Jews. Yep. This guy is isolating the problem to the whites. Had everyone hating the Jews. Yeah. And yep. and this is what this guy's propagating, and he's saying it's not extremism. He's uh, it's it is uh, it's a sad day for the United States of America and the U.S. Navy. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Play a little political trivia. We'll see you at five. Bye, bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.